Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. Well, as we look at Daniel chapter 4, it's interesting that we, we find ourselves back with King Nebuchadnezzar, who, if you remember in Daniel chapter 2, he had a dream, and he's going to have another dream here. So we're, we've kind of come full circle, and, and it's, it's kind of the same theme uh, one more time. By this point, Nebuchadnezzar, by his own admission, arguably could be, some could say he was the most influential, the most powerful, you could even say the most successful man uh, in the world's eyes on the planet, perhaps even at this, at the, at this time in, in history. And I thought about that as I, got, as I got reading Daniel chapter 4, and I thought about it this way. This congregation and this chapel, we serve in the context of a hospital. And as we look at God's Word together, very naturally, it seems to me over the past two years that I've been here at least, and I'm sure even before that, it seems to be very naturally some common themes come up, as it should, of God during the difficult times. God being with us during sicknesses. We, we, we serve uh, people who, just by the very nature of who we are as a hospital, are, are going through difficult times. And that theme is, is constant, and I believe it should be. And we'll continue to, to see that theme on a regular basis. But as I find myself in Daniel chapter 4, it's more this theme, and I put it in the bulletin for you. What about God during the successful times? Uh, what I've noticed over, the, over my years of being here at the hospital and years of being a pastor and looking at my own life is, is those times of difficulty are difficult. However, many times what, what happens is that God's people in particular, they will, they will move towards God during those difficult times. What I've found on the other side is that many times it is difficult to see God when you and I are successful. <laughs> Some of the most challenging times, I think, I almost, almost feel like we need to wake up in the morning and if everything's going great, we need to get in a defensive position and be ready for what Satan may have to throw our way. Or if you're like me, what my own foolish heart may throw its own way, which I think we'll see in this case with this man. So let's look at it uh, together. I think Daniel's going to give us the answer, and I think we've already read it about, about what we should do about this attitude. But let's, let's break it down a little bit in Daniel chapter 4. Let, let's start with verse 1, and let's read a little bit of this together. This is King, by the way, King Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. This is the kind of thing where King Nebuchadnezzar just stands up and says, let me tell you where I've been and what God has done. That's exactly what he's doing. So here it is. King Nebuchadnezzar, to who? To all peoples nations, languages that dwell in all the earth. This, is, this would be his version of, I'm putting this on Facebook, it's going on Instagram, I'm putting it on Twitter. We, we follow major world leaders on Twitter all the time today. He's putting it out there. He's, he's, who's this to? It's to Lottie Dottie everybody. That's, who he, that's what he's saying. Here's what he says. Peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. And then he quotes verse 3, How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. We'll stop right there for just a moment. He makes this great faith 
exclamation here. I want you to think back in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar does the same thing. As I'll study in this passage, when you look at Daniel chapter 2, it's interesting. Remember, Daniel interprets his dream, and it's this big statue, and there's clay and gold and all that stuff. And the statue's going to fall, king, it's going to be you. And Nebuchadnezzar says, all right, I repent, I repent. Yeah, your God's the God. But then flip over to Daniel chapter 3, and what happens? Let me make a golden statue of myself, and I want everybody to worship it. So I'm going to make a, an assumption that I think is safe, that all that stuff he said in Daniel chapter 2 kind of threw out the window at some point when he made a 40-foot statue of himself and commanded everybody bow to it. Everybody agree that that's a pretty safe interpretation, right? Well, that happened, fiery furnace, king, we're not going to bow. Remember that, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think Chaplain Holmes preached on that in, on, in September. Now we come one more time and the king's in the same boat and he says the same thing. So now we're going to see, well, well, is this the real deal this time? So let's keep reading. Here's what he says in verse 4. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house. I like the way, like the way my this, uh, English Standard Version says, I was at ease in my house <laughs> and prospering in my palace, and I saw a dream that made me afraid. We think this time was maybe about 575 B.C. He, another translation, says that things were essentially going well. That's what I mean. This guy, he, he's, he's learned some things. Babylon, remember, had captured Israel, had taken them into captivity. That's how Daniel and his friends ended up there, is because this, this country had ended up taking them over. And, and Israel was just a blip on the radar compared to some of the other areas that, that they had conquered at the time. This is also, by the way, where the famous Hanging Gardens of Babylon. This was during that time, so this is quite uh, accomplishments from, from this group of people. And he is saying that, I'm, I'm letting you know, I'm starting... I'm at ease in my house and I'm prospering in my palace. I, I have everything. He has no issues. That's what I mean when I say we need to be careful with our success. And I'm going to start with this point number one. It starts with humility. You and I have to have humility. The, the latter part of this chapter very specifically said that the, the king of heaven will do what's right and those who walk in pride he is able to humble and that's what's going to happen if, if you remember the story. And let me, let me review the story with you. Uh, we won't read the, the entire chapter, but let's review it for just a moment. Remember, he had a dream. And then he does what he does in Daniel 2. Remember, he brings in all his people and, and he says, I want you to interpret the dream. And, and they say, well, tell it to us. Remember, in Daniel 2, he wanted them to know what the dream was, but he has learned something. He's now smart enough to know they can't do that because they're not able to. So he gives them the whole dream and they're honest this time because apparently he's not going to kill them this time and says, I don't know. I don't know the answer to your dream, king. So what do we do? Well, we're going to do what we did last time. We're going to go to Daniel. And then Daniel's going to give him the interpretation. So here, here's, the, here's the dream. Uh, if you go to verse 13, we'll look at it a little bit. You'll see, a, you'll see the, get the picture here. He says, I saw in visions of my head as I lay in bed. Behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. Uh, he proclaimed aloud and said, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit, but let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. So he pictures this big tree and it's going to be cut down. Uh, verse 15, But leave the stump of its roots in the earth, Bound with a, a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field, let them be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. 
Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time, uh, most people believe that seven years, uh, pass over him. Uh, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to all whom he will, and sets it over the lowliest of men. So Nebuchadnezzar lays this dream before Daniel. He says, hey, Daniel, I want you to interpret this dream for me. Well, what does Daniel tell him? Look at, look at verse, 20, verse 20. He says this. Here's Daniel's interpretation. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached the heaven, visible to the ends of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which the beast of heaven found shade, and in whose branches the birth... Uh, birds of the heavens lived. He says in verse 22, it is you. You're the tree. King Nebuchadnezzar's the tree. You have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven. He, remember, he's at ease in his house. He's prospering in his palace. Things are going great. He said, your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, leave the stump of its roots, bound it with a band of iron, and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time pass. This is the interpretation. It is a, a decree of the Most High which has come upon you, my Lord the King. Verse 25, that you will be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You'll be made to eat grass like an ox and you'll be wet with the dew of heaven. In other words, he's going to be crawling on the ground like an animal. He says, until seven periods of time pass over you, until you know the most high rules and the kingdom of men will give it to whom he will. So he shares that with him. And then the king essentially says, Nebuchadnezzar, if we keep reading, he'll say, he'll say there's no way. Isn't not, am I not the king of Babylon who did all these great things? And then immediately God puts him down and he does exactly what he said he was going to do. And he becomes this person crawling on the ground. Uh, like an animal. That's why I say it starts with humility. You and I, I believe from this passage and other places in Scripture, we're at our, sometimes in, in many ways, our most vulnerable when things are going well. Proverbs said what? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, a great preacher of, uh, of the 1600s, he said this, he said the first and worst cause of error that prevails in our day, and he's talking about his day, but I can't help but think about our day too. I think it applies. The worst one is pride. He said this is the main door by which the devil comes into the hearts of those who are zealous for the advancement of Christ. It is the chief inlet of smoke from the bottomless pit to darken the mind and mislead the judgment and the main handle by which Satan takes hold of Christians to hinder a work of God. Until the disease is cured, Medicines are applied in vain to heal all other diseases. Pride is di more difficult to discern than any other corruption because by nature, pride is a person having too high a thought of himself. Jonathan Edwards is saying, and I believe he's right, that one of the challenges is when, when we become prideful, the focus is so much on ourselves, it becomes this vicious cycle where we can't see it because we're so full of ourselves. I know none of you or me have ever been that way, but we know other people who are like that, right? Who, who, who you, you, everybody around can see what's going on except for that person. Well, I don't know about you, but I've been that person before. It starts 
with humility. Proverbs said it this way in another place too. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Uh, Blaise Pascal said, don't you wish people to think well of you? He said, don't speak well of yourself. King Nebuchadnezzar, he was at home content and prosperous. He was at ease in his house, uh, prospering uh, in, his, in his palace. You and I have to, first of all, before anything else, figure out this thing called humility. What is humility? Um, humility, humility is not weakness. Um, I've, heard, I've heard people say, don't confuse. Remember, we think of Christ as meek. But don't confuse meekness with weakness. Don't confuse humility as cowering down and being weak. Um, the Bible says Moses was the most humble man who had lived. I don't think Moses was weak by any means throughout his life. Uh, Christ emptied himself and became a servant and served others. Christ was certainly uh, not weak. Humility is that act where we realize there's a God and it's not me. And my life is not about me, my life is about God. That will change everything. Nebuchadnezzar, after he heard his dream, he stood and he said, here's what I've done, I have done this and I've done this and I've done this. You and I live in a world where they're very good at measuring all the things that we do. And if you and I are not careful, we will get sucked into thinking, let me show you what I have done. Let me write up my resume and how glamorous and how glorious it is. We, when we start thinking like that, we have to start getting on the defensive and going, oh no, where's my fall going to come from? The antidote for that is to, is to have humility. If you look at Daniel's uh, answer to him, he, he simply says to repent and do what is right. He, he's telling Nebuchadnezzar essentially to be humble. It starts with humility. Well, let's keep reading and, and see, what, see what happens here. Let's go to verse 28. It says exactly what happened. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. In other words, it took place. He was, he was brought low. Verse 29. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king answered, and here's where he says it. Is not this great Babylon who I built mighty by, look at all the personal pronouns, my power as a royal residence and for the glory of whose majesty? My majesty. While the words were still in his mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and you shall be driven from among men and everything's going to take place. Everything we've already read. Look down to verse 33. The word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. What happened? He was driven from among men as ate grass like an ox and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. I remember hearing that when I was a child in Sunday school and thinking of this really scary guy, you know, kind of crawling around out there. But he was having a tough time. And as I was studying this week, I thought, what's, the, what's a good common example, a, a modern day example of where somebody who's really high gets brought low? And I just, there were so many of them, I said, I'm not even going to name one. I'll just name. You can look in any arena of life. You could definitely look at sports and you can see people who were brought low by their own problems. And by the way, it's people who were at the top. They were successful. Politicians who have everything. They're at the top. 
and they fall. Actors, actresses, who are there at the top, they're successful, and they fall. I hate to say it, but I can't not say it. Pastors, who are at the top, people lined up. They're the kind of people who would want to, you know, people, I want to sign your Bible. I didn't write the Bible. I don't want to sign anybody's Bible, but there's, I've, I've heard of that. Preachers, uh, let, me sign, let me sign that Bible for you, you know. I heard of one guy, he said, yeah, this preacher was so puffed up, he signed his own Bible, you know. <laughs> He's at the top, and he falls. I don't even have to name a name. You can just fill in the blank on any of those categories, can't you? We have to be careful because it starts with humility. Daniel's answer to him is essentially two things. He says, repent and do what is right in verse 27. Break off your sins or repent by doing what is right and break away from your sin by showing mercy to the oppressed. His antidote, Daniel's antidote to the king is two things. Number one, repent from this pride by doing what is right, by being a righteous person. And then number two, he says, do good to the oppressed. I was reminded uh, last week as I was looking, a man by the name of George Mueller, he lived in England and he ran an orphanage. Uh, he was a mighty man of prayer. If you ever look up the autobiography of George Mueller, he has story after story in that autobiography where he, he actually was wealthy at one point in his life and he gave it all away and, and, and almost lived in poverty himself for the sake of Christ and for the sake of sharing uh, God's love with, with orphans. And he would do things like this. He would be down to, the, to no more food and he would just lay the plates out around the table and he would begin to pray in his autobiography. He talks about, well, we went ahead and prepared for dinner. We don't have anything, but we're praying. And then as he prayed, somebody would bring food uh, to his orphanage. And he lived his whole life like that. And the this, this story goes, if I remember right, that millions of dollars worth of support came uh, through him and he, he just prayed for those things. He was asked this, what is the secret to your victorious life? Here's what he said. He said, it was the day I died that I utterly died. Here's what he said. He said, died to George Mueller, to his opinions, his preferences, his taste, and his will. Died to the world, its approval or censure. Died to approval or blame, even of my brethren and friends. Since I've studied only to show myself approved unto God, he said this, until I learn to die to self, I'll live my Christian life in defeat. Until we learn to die to sin, we'll live in bondage. Until we learn to die to pride, we'll live in slavery to it. If anyone feels defeated, it's because he's bought into the lie, believing that Satan has invincible power over him as a child of God. We do not have to be in bondage. Submit ourselves to God, James says. Resist the devil and he will flee. Daniel's admonition to this king is to repent by doing what is right. So the first cure to our, to our pride, to our time when we're successful and we feel ourselves being puffed up, is to take a step back and turn away from that. As Brother Theo's song right out of the book of Psalms, Scripture says, Create in me what? A clean heart, renew a right spirit. There's those times in our life. Sometimes God speaks to us during the hard times. 
And I know there, there's some of us who are going through hard times. God will certainly speak to us through those hard times. But I also want to remind you, during these times of, quote, success, everything's going good, I'm at ease in my house, beware of that pride and turn back to God. But then his other one's interesting. Not only does he say to, to repent and do what's right, but look at verse 27 one more time. He says also, not only doing what's right, but he says, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. That was interesting to me that Daniel's uh, advice to him was, yeah, go do good, but also give to the poor, give to the oppressed. Well, let's think about it for just a minute. King Nebuchadnezzar, again, arguably was one of the most powerful men on earth at the time. He, he's already built the statue. He's, this is the same guy who in Daniel chapter 2, if you don't interpret my dream, I'm just going to have all of you killed. This guy's got some issues. And do you think he's just a little bit self-focused? Um, okay, I got the dream. Okay, I'm going to serve God. Now I'm going to make a statue. Everybody worship me. Oh, by the way, he... he and it's interesting to see him develop. And I believe, by the way, as you look at the end of the, time, at end of the, end of the statement, when, when King Nebuchadnezzar, when it's all said and done, people kind of go back and forth on which, which way. Uh, did, he, did he really get it? Was he a true follower of God? I, I think we see by the end of the chapter that he, that he does, in fact, uh, seem to be a follower of, of, the, of the Old Testament, of our God. It, it's interesting to see. But as I see his progression, even in Daniel chapter 3, remember when, when, the, when the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were not burned, he pulls them out and he, and he starts, he makes this big decree, all right, now uh, nobody say anything about, bad about their God. Oh, and by the way, if anybody says anything bad about their God, what? I'm just going to have them killed. He, he, he still doesn't quite get, you know, he's not quite there yet. He, he's progressing. But it's interesting to me when I think about a man, and when you read it, you just can't help but think, wow, he's so self-centered. What is Daniel's antidote for him? What does he say? Yeah, quit being, repent and do good. But then he says, give to the oppressed, give to the poor. I think Daniel is sharing a very simple principle that really goes through all Scripture. One of the greatest blessings you and I have in life, and one of the things that will be the best antidote to your and my pride, is to be just that. Be a giving person. Be a person who looks beyond me and says, how can I give to others? I, I, just, just, I think it was like a month ago, I was in a training here in the hospital, and literally I just laughed out loud because they, they shared the latest and greatest psychological uh, experiment. You know what the latest and greatest psychologists found out? That if you give to other people and if you focus on other people, it'll actually help you feel better. Wow. I mean... I couldn't help but do exactly what you're doing. I'm like, yes, thank you. We've been talking about that for thousands of years. I, I read somewhere it's more blessed to give than receive. Jesus said that. So the, the, you know, the first psychologist, there you go. He knew what he was talking about. Here's Daniel giving the same advice to a very, what it seems like, self-centered man. An antidote to your and my self-focus is to figure out ways we can be blessings to other people. Daniel said it this way. He said, this way so that you will know that heaven rules. So that you will know there's a God in heaven. If you look at the end of the, of the, of the chapter, he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor who? The kingdom of heaven, because his works are right, his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, as he well knows, he's able 
too humble. He realizes that the goal of his life is not to glorify himself. The goal of his life is to know God. And what he found is one of the greatest ways he could do that is to be a blessing to others. So I challenge us this morning, what are ways that you and I can be a blessing to the oppressed? What are ways you and I can be a blessing to those in need? What are ways that you and I can take stock of our own life, especially if we, as we hear this message, go, you know what, chaplain, I can recognize that in, in many ways I'm, I'm, I'm at ease. Things are going well. What I encourage you to do and me to do today, if you find, our, if you find yourself in that category, let's take Daniel's advice and do what's right and find ways we can be a blessing to other people in this world. In doing so, we will honor God, but in doing so, we will be a blessing to ourselves as well because we'll be right with God and it'll be an antidote for us getting so at ease that we get swallowed by our pride. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us this story in Scripture. We see it Although thousands of years old, it, it, it screams off the page as, as real life today. Examples all around us of those who are puffed up and prideful and, and, and they fall. God, I pray that if we find ourselves doing well, that we would recognize all good things are from you. God, I pray for those who are struggling right now. God, may we not forget, uh, even among this message, that, God, you are with us during the difficult times. And, God, I pray that we would be able to hold fast to you. As we sang earlier, we know that you hold us fast. God, I pray that this day we would somehow turn our hearts, number one, to you. And then, God, number two, how, God, can we answer the question of how can we be a blessing to those around us. May you lead us and may you guide us in a way that we also could say we honor you because you are the one who does all things right and all things just. And God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.